I'll do this. There we go. Nice. You're quick. Quick on the draw. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do an altar call now, and uh, bless you, I'll send you home. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'll be counting the days till April. I mean, that's what, what I'm thinking. But if you're around the area, you know, we want to hear you preach, okay? So let us know. <laughs> Love that gal. Love her very much. Yeah, so look what the wind blew in. <laughs> oh, dear. Any of you out driving in it on Friday night by chance? Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, any, anybody else? Wow, yeah, yeah. Any stories to tell about, you know, events in the last two days, right? Yeah, I mean, Tom, who's doing sound, just got back here. He was here early this morning, but his wife went to get in the car and the tire was flat. So he did the right thing. He ran home to help his wife. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. My car, the instruments weren't reading today. Somehow the car got here, but the instruments are saying, nope, too cold. We're not shining any light this morning. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking a few days ago there was reports of a Bobcat Canyon fire. Yeah. So, so when I think about fires we lived through, when I think about floods we've lived through, I'm liking winter a whole lot more. <laughs> Seems to be a little less threat in the wintertime. Huh? Maybe a few heaters don't work, a few things like that. Of course, now that I said that, God's going to show me something in the winter, right? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, Merry Christmas to you all. I'm Pastor Michael, lead pastor here at Summit, and, uh, and I affirm Jamie's words. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God laid out in advance for you to do. Yeah, but it begins, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and nothing of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so we have nothing to boast about save Him alone. And then it says, in that, in that grace, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Check it out. But then I always have to go over to Matthew 5. You are. You are. You are the light. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill, it can't be hidden. Neither would men think about lighting a lamp and then putting a big old bucket over it. Instead, they put that light up on a stand so it can give light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men, before women, before people, that they might see your good deeds and give glory to God who's in heaven. Praise God that you. Yeah. Okay, so, so far in the Christmas story, we have these two very humble, very obscure woman, women. Uh, Elizabeth, she's lived with great disappointment. She's lived with incredible disgrace because of her inability to have children. But she will become the proud mother of John the Baptist. John the Baptist will be fulfillment of prophecy. 
because John is the last of the Old Testament prophets who appears in the New Testament who comes to prepare the way for the Lord. And for anybody out there who somehow has been disillusioned in life, even disgraced, Elizabeth, let her speak to your heart and say, don't be ashamed. God hears your prayers. He's answering. Elizabeth, we have her, Luke chapter 1. And then we have this 12 to 14-year-old virgin. Oh, my goodness. Praise God, Mary will become the, the, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But imagine how fearful and how isolated she, she must have felt that this angel Gabriel would show up one day and say, I'm here to tell you that you're going to be, become pregnant and the father's going to be God. And then the angel's gone. Boom, just like that. Hold on a minute, Mr. Angel. You can't just walk out that door. We've got some explaining to do here. I mean, they just might lock me up. They just might lock me up. I mean, how am I going to tell my mom? How am I going to tell my dad? How am I going to tell my fiance that, how, that God did this? An angel told me it, it just doesn't work very well. And the fiance is not going to fare well because, as I said a moment ago, you know, let's lock her up. He's ready to put her away quietly, just not a good scenario. So for all of you fearful, isolated people, please hear, God has a plan. God has a promise. God will see it through. Trust God. Praise the Lord for that. Huh? Amen? Yeah. So here's Mary. Mary now leaves home, and, and this is where we're going to pick up our text today. She goes to live with the one person who hopefully will understand at this point. The angel Gabriel had directed her toward this relative that we talked about the first week, Elizabeth. Both women had spoken to the same angel. Both women are miraculously pregnant. And by both of these women coming together, God has a strong message for anyone who feels alone in this world. You are not alone. You are not alone. I cried probably because Chloe sang a solo in the, in the deal today. I am not alone. I am not alone. But maybe, maybe it touched home with me. I'm not al alone. I'm not alone. You know, think about Tom running home. He's really gifted, helping his wife change her tire. I remember one time I had a neighbor, master mechanic, and, you know, youth pastor, just never having a, enough and always trying to fix my cars myself. And I'm out in my garage one day, and I don't have a clue what to do. And I just feel so out of control. And I, and I just start crying. What am I supposed to do? And then this neighbor, master, master mechanic, comes walking up. He says, what's going on? And I says, I don't know what to do. He said, oh, let me take a look. I am not alone. <laughs> I don't know if it was 10 years old. I don't know if it was 12 years old. I don't know the particular events, but I know my dad was really sick. I believe it was the year he had a heart attack. And, you know, we always were living at, at the level of poverty. Dad was the only one working in the house. I mean, raising six kids uh, back then is kind of the way it was. And it was tough. 
it was tough, and it made me kind of angry at my dad because, you know, as a kid looking at it, it's kind of like, can't you do any better, dad, than this? And are you kidding me? Now you're sick. And are you kidding me? Now Christmas is kind of vulnerable here. I don't even know if we're going to have Christmas this year. But then worse yet, could my dad die? Oh, what would happen if my dad were to die when I think about the way things were up to this point? I mean, what if it happened? I mean, it, it was a shocker, and, and my younger sisters and I, you know, we, we talked about it. What if he dies? What do we do? You know, I was shining shoes at age 11, wasn't helping much, 12-chair barbershop, and, and there I was, you know, youngest kid ever hired by that barbershop. I still have images of a few white socks that turned black under my you know, expertise, 11-year-old kid. Yeah, what do we do? And then a group of my dad's bar buddies came over one night, and they handed my dad an envelope, and, and I believe it was over $300. And, and to me, this, this 10-year-old kid, it might as well have been $3 million because it still sparks joy in my heart today, and it sent a strong message. We're not alone we don't have to figure this out all by ourselves. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so I'm trying not to look at a few people in the room because even as I'm talking, tears are coming down my face beginning to because you're feeling alone right now. And, and you're not sure what Christmas is going to be. And I, praise God, I have stories of people who are coming alongside but still, there's always that question, what about tomorrow? What about tomorrow? You know, and uh, but let's just stop a minute and say, is today okay? So far, today okay? Today okay? Yeah, I pray God give you the work you need, the blessing you need, whatever it is you need, because he is a supplier. But I pray that you'll just stop right here and say, Father, thank you. Thank you that I have that resolve to figure it out, to get up and work. But thank you that I am not alone. I'm not alone. This is where our text picks up, so I'm, I want to start reading it. I'm actually going to read two portions today, but this starts it right here, verse 39, Luke chapter 1, reading from the NIV this morning. Oh, dear Jesus, I need you. I need you every hour. Most gracious Lord, like can't be afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. <laughs> Verse 39, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. <laughs> When Elizabeth greeting, the baby left in her womb. Babies in wombs are human beings. Babies in wombs are conscientious. Babies in wombs know who Jesus is. Babies in wombs know their mommy and daddy. They begin to recognize their voices. 
babies in wombs need to be treated with the highest honor as being human life. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so, what's that word right there? Favored. Man, that's in every teaching we've done this week. Favor, 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 favor. Walk in the Lord's favor. And if you've come to know this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long, then you've come to understand favor. And you want to ask like Elizabeth, why am I so favored, right? But then all you can say is all glory, honor, and praise to God because it's not by works, right? Because we have no basis to boast in ourselves. It's a free gift from God. Hallelujah. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Hallelujah. Well, you know what? There are two kinds of people in the world. There are mourning people, and there are people who absolutely hate mourning people. <laughs> Proverbs 27, 14, get this one. If you loudly bless your neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. <laughs> it's there. Look it up. Check it out. So I'm directing youth camps, and I have a friend who was actually directing this particular youth camp in Texas in the Piney Woods, if you're familiar with that area. The Piney Woods of Texas, if you can imagine, hot, humid, and pine trees. That's the, pine, that's the Piney Woods, Texas, right? East Texas. Yeah, you can just get the image. It's south of Tyler right here. Directing youth camps, but this friend was loud, he was big, and he was boisterous. Loved to be the first one up in the morning. Loved to go, loved to go into all those quiet sleeping cabins and with his loudest voice start singing. Oh, woke up this morning with mine, staying on Jesus. You get the idea? Kind of makes you want to shoot the guy, right? Yeah. Can we all be honest here? Sometimes it's hard to sing, and sometimes it's really hard to put up with people singing. <laughs> Can you relate to what we're talking about here? And it's not just about the morning. It's not just about late night, and it's not just about another gloomy Monday. There's real stuff that causes the wind to come out of us and to take the song right from the best of us. Real life stuff. Stuff like we've been talking about already. Stuff where we feel alone, abandoned, not sure how we're going to make it. A threat of a, of a diagnosis. All of these things and so much more make singing, make too much rejoicing a really difficult thing. And if there's anybody who had cause not to sing, it's Mary. It's Mary in the Christmas story. Because here she is, 13-year-old girl. In this culture, she would have been thought more of as property than as being human. That's what's going on. Now she's devalued. She's pregnant. She doesn't have the covering of a husband. 
dignities been stripped by not being married, it's not a good time for a happy song. And then take it a step further. She has just traveled 80 miles without modern, modern in today's terms, transportation. Hmm, not, not a good thing. I mean, here we are. We're Colorado tough. We, we think it's funny when we hear about city folks talking about how fatigued they are from a two-mile walk, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. But 80 miles expecting I'm not sure I'd have much of a song left. And then we take it a step further. Her story would have been scandalous. It would have been incredulous. In fact, the people who should have trusted her most and been there to support her are abandoning her. I mean, let's be honest. It would have sucked the song out of the best of us. But here she is. She walks into her relative's home. And Elizabeth experiences little John jumping for joy. And she affirms Mary. She blesses Mary and she says, you, Mary, you, you, you who have experienced so much rejection, you are the most blessed woman who has ever lived because you're walking out God's promises. <laughs> you're trusting the Lord. You are blessed. Yeah. So the first thing we need to notice is rejoice. You are not alone. Rejoice, you are not alone. Not only is God with you, there are others who are there for you as well. Family members, they may fail. Boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, lover may fail. People in the church may fail. But you need to understand first off that God is with you, and not only is God with you, there are those believers who are in tune, who are sensitive, who will come alongside of you. They'll affirm you. They'll give you what you need. And that's all that Mary needed right here because what happens next is absolutely beautiful. It's miraculous. It's wonderful. She breaks into singing. We often call it Mary's song. In the classical world, it's referred to as the Magnificat which means to magnify. We get that from her very first expression in, in the song when she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, uh, it is the most passionate, wildest, and most revolutionary, revolutionary Advent hymn ever expressed. So let's look at it. Here it is, Mary's song, verse 46. And Mary said, response to Elizabeth's affirmation, reception. My soul glorifies, magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful. And you hear this now, folks, in your state. He is mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel 
remembering to be merciful to Abraham, his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Then verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. I hope you heard the passion in the song, but I also hope you heard the revolt in the song. C.S. Lewis called this song terrifying. He didn't call it angry, he called it terrifying because the song announces to Mary that the prayers of her ancestors, now think about this, these are Jews, think about Jewish history, a people who would have expressed things to God with anger, with vengeful spirits, and even with violence, that their prayers have not been dismissed by God, but they're not going to be answered the way people want them answered. Praise God for that, huh? Yeah. Did you hear about the three-year-old in Arkansas? Somebody got angry. He's driving a car with his grandmother, and somebody got angry with her for driving too slow and opened fire on the car and killed the three-year-old. Yeah, real stuff, because of our attitudes. It's a good thing God doesn't answer prayers our way. Prayers will be answered in God's way. <laughs> Praise God for that, amen? You better believe it, yeah. In other words, there's going to be justice done. In other words, things are going to be made right, and that is a really good thing. There will be restoration, and that is a really good thing. 22 days before Thanksgiving, I was tracking this story with, with great pain. A young mom suddenly disappears while jogging, 22 days before Thanksgiving. Then on the holiday, she shows up tossed to the side of a San Francisco highway. She's beaten, she's burned, she's chained, and there she is trying to get help, this, this young mother. But I'll bet when her husband heard they had found her, that a song sparked in his heart. But just for a second, because I'll bet that song was suddenly quelched when he started to think about, why? Who? Is there any vengeance in this world? But that song and songs like it will ultimately crescendo and finally silence all of the evil in this whole world when Jesus returns. Hallelujah. Better believe it. God knows who the perpetrators are. Justice will be done. Things will be made right. And there will be unrestrained, joyous singing forever and forever and forever. <laughs> All praise to God. Give him glory for that. Uh, unrestrained, joyous songs. So every announcement that Mary makes in her songs will one day become reality through this unborn child. While the song is expressed past tense here, it's an expression of who God is. It's an expression of what God has done. So it's rooted in hope. Hope feeds joy, and joy feeds singing. They all work together, and this is what we need to see. So in a spirit of hardship, uh, or excuse me, in, in spite of hardship, Mary may, any, in spite of any hardship Mary may have been subjected to, in her heart she's rejoicing. And it forces the question, why is she rejoicing? And God wants us to ask the question, why is she rejoicing? And the truth is that in Christ we can anticipate every injustice being made right. We can anticipate 
full restoration. For Mary, it's rooted in the hope of this child that she's carrying, this child to be born, this child we celebrate here at the Advent. And for us, it's rooted in the hope that the child has come and the child is seated at the right hand of the Father, but the child is coming again as a mighty warrior to set things straight. That feeds our joy, and that feeds our song. And like Mary, we need to let it. We need to let it feed us. So rejoice, you are not alone. But the second thing I see, rejoice, God is mighty. Okay, look at verse 49. The mighty one has done great things for me. I wanted to stop right there and, and just ask you, has he done great things for you? Yeah. It's good to, to just pause and think about it for a moment. Then in verse 51, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. Mighty one, mighty one. God is mighty one. It means he is more than able. He's more than able to be for you what you cannot be for yourself. Mighty one. He's with you. You are not alone. He can handle all the stuff that circumstances, people, stuff, may try to dump on you. He can handle it. You can handle it. He can handle it. So I'm listening to a teaching when I'm writing this probably uh, three weeks ago. And uh, I was reminded that God again and again and again calls me a sheep. Yeah, you too. And an interesting thing about sheep is that sheep weren't created to be burden-bearing animals. You just don't find pack sheep anywhere, <laughs> right? Sheep were not created to be burden-bearing animals. God calls me a sheep. You don't see sheep carrying heavy loads. It just doesn't happen. And then the question was posed, why do I keep bearing the load. I wasn't made for it. And in that, again and again and again in the scriptures, God tells us to give our stuff to him. It's a huge part of life is learning. The burdens keep trying to jump on our backs, and God keeps saying, just continually unload it. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Throw them on me <laughs> because you are not made to care, carry the burden. God is mighty one. God is able. So here's Mary. She's walking in God's will, but she's socially humiliated because she's pregnant with God's child. People are not understanding this. And she's saying, it's okay. God is mighty one. He scatters the arrogant. He knocks rulers off their thrones. He sends the rich away empty. He can handle any accuser and their ridicule. It's not my burden to bear, but he also will lift up those who are knocked down and he will give food to anyone who is hungry. My God is able. And so it puts the question right on each of us. Have circumstances in life, people in life, stuff of life, 
robbed you of your song. God is mighty one. The reality is he's able, you're not. And it's in pausing to recognize your need for him and giving him your stuff that you can begin to sing again. Well, there's a third one here. Builds on the others. Rejoice because God keeps his promises. Verses 54 and 55. Essentially, Mary is saying, God has remembered to be merciful to Israel. He remembered his promise to Abraham. This is sometimes referred to as a Caesarean or vassal covenant. It's an agreement where a weaker party needs the help of a stronger party. And it's in recognizing the need for the stronger party's help that the weaker party will often pay tribute and actually submit themselves to that stronger party. We in our pride tend to jeer and mock people who are in that position saying they're just sucking up. But that's not the case at all. It's particularly when you look at God. Because God knows that you need Him. And for this reason, he wants to establish a covenant of blessing, a covenant of favor with you. He's already laid out the terms, and the terms are found in his son, Jesus Christ. It's a great offer. There's no negotiating. It, it, that would be like negotiating a Christmas gift, the greatest Christmas gift of all times. God has paid the ultimate price to give you the greatest gift ever. But what we have to come to grips with is the fact that God will always be the stronger party in the agreement. I mean, he doesn't need anything from us. He's completed himself. He has it all, but he knows how desperately we need him. And the irony in it all is found in our refusal to humble ourselves to him and to subject ourselves to him because here we have the superior who humbles himself for us, stepping off his throne, taking on flesh to be abused by his very creation in order to pay this price. And yet we who are in the weaker position refuse to humble ourselves to him. Mary got it. Mary absolutely got it. And she embraces God's help. She embraces God's promise. Thus, in the middle of her struggle, she suddenly breaks into song. <laughs> and there are many in this room who would love to tell you a similar story. That's why they begin to perk up when they hear that old Fanny Crosby song. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. It's not because they're arrogant. It's not because they think they've got one up on you. It's just because they've come to the reality that life is too much. Life is too heavy. I can't bear it on my own. I can't handle it. I don't know how people do handle it who don't know my Savior. You will hear them say things like that. And their heart's desires, I want everybody to know. 
and then they're, they're accused of being self-righteous or arrogant. And maybe that's the case in some situations, but to understand the heart, I've been saved by grace through faith, nothing of myself. It's a gift from God. I have nothing to boast in save him. Wow. Who am I that I'm so highly favored that he would do that for me and he would do that for you and he's calling you this Christmas to see your need of him. You are not alone. He's with you. Mighty one. He wants to be with you. He wants you to allow him to be with you. He fulfills his promises. This is what it's all about right here. Can you see your need for him today? It's in this that he says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Put away all your arguments, all the arguments of the enemy, all the lies you've been taught. Come to me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and here you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Now my mentor always carried a, had a two yoke deal on his neck to remind me that he was on one side and Jesus was on the other side. And as much as I love Pastor Jimmy, that doesn't do it for me anymore. And then, then I believe it's, um, oh, what's that translation? Oh dear, I can't get the translation. But anyway, that, there's one translation of the Bible that says, because the yoke fits well, the burden seems lighter. That doesn't do it for me either anymore. This week, I'm helping somebody move a crazy couch from upstairs through a windy staircase. And you know what? When you've got a really tough guy moving a couch with you, you think, why am I even here? And that's the way it is with God. When you're yoked up with him, he's got it, man. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Just give it to him. And it starts when you stop fighting and you come to the end of yourself, that place, I'm nothing. And you invite him in your life and all of a sudden he says, now watch this. <laughs> You're now in my hands, clay. Watch what I'll do with you. My workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to now be about that great stuff that I made you for. <laughs> Receive that gift this Christmas. Receive him. That's my hope. That's my hope. Just see him. Receive him. Yeah, you got to turn around. This, I mean, that repentance thing that they joke about Saturday Night Live, George Carlin loves to poke fun at, Christ, at Christians for that thing, you know. 
Stop listening to that garbage. This way, it's not the right way. Him, come running with open arms because he's running to you with open arms. And it is a glorious embrace. My soul magnifies the Lord. Yeah, just take a moment. Pause there. Let God just kind of seal things in your soul right now. Let him seal them in your soul. Maybe today God's just saying to you, come home, come home. And you're saying, I, how fast can I get there? Come home, come home, come home, come home, come home. You're made for this. Others of you, you know better. But today you're just reminded <laughs> and hope's been stirred in your heart and maybe a song or maybe realizing a need to ask for help. What's God saying to you today? Why did he bring you here? What is it he wants you to know? And how will you respond? I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. I'm going to invite... Um, Anyone who needs prayer, that um, this space here can become an altar for you to receive. To come and pray, maybe receive prayer. You just let the Lord lead, and we'll trust God with these words.